to the sixth episode of our podcast series for advisors considering the independent space. Today's episode is called Fact Versus Fiction, The True Realities of Independence for Financial Advisors. I'm Mindy Diamond, and this is Mindy Diamond on Independence. This podcast is available on our website, www.diamond-consultants.com and on wealthmanagement.com, as well as iTunes and other resources. It's often not easy to separate reality from myths and untruths. This is especially true in the independent space, partly because a lot about the space is relatively new, and partly because there are so many different opinions about whether it's right or wrong for someone. And many come to the space with preconceived notions. And we thought we'd spend an episode today talking about some of the most common myths we hear and hoping to set the record straight. So let's get started. The first and unequivocally the most common rejoinder I hear when an advisor asks me about independence is, it sounds interesting, but I service a high net worth or I service a niche client base. And by niche, I mean institutional consulting. I mean international. I mean ultra high net worth, whatever it may be. And the worry is that I won't be able to replicate my business as an independent. So several things I want you to know. I can cite literally hundreds of examples now of high net worth and ultra high net worth or niche focused advisors who broke away to go some version of independence. And almost without exception, the advisors are crushing it as a business owner. Just ask any of the guys who founded Luminous, that's Mark Sear and David Ho, the $8 billion RIA that left Merrill Lynch they grew their assets from $5.5 billion in assets under management as of September 30th, 2012, to $12 billion, not including the $6 billion of assets they chose to jettison when they left Merrill Lynch. That $6 billion in assets were institutional consulting business stock option plans that they chose not to bring along. That story is the biggest home run story in the industry because along the way, the Luminous folks sold their business to First Republic Bank for more than $125 million. Look at Lori Van Dusen of LVW Advisors. Lori is a legacy Smith Barney advisor who managed in excess of $3 billion in client assets, but advised to family office and endowments and foundations. Clients range in size from about $10 million to $700 million. Half of the business is high net worth individuals, and the other half is not-for-profit institutions, healthcare, or education-related. Today, LVW manages well in excess of $5 billion in assets under management. We can look at Dane Crunk and Chad Cleary of Sintal, a Texas-based firm. These guys are legacy Merrill Lynch PBIG, Merrill Lynch Private Banking and Investment Group Advisors, who broke away in 2012. They started the business with 30 ultra high net worth families, mostly in the oil and gas space, and today have about 800 million under management. 
we can look at international-focused Miguel Sosa, who launched Premia Global Advisors in April of 2016 with about 400 million under management. All clients are Latin American, and Miguel also broke away from Merrill Lynch. There's Jim Mayer, an advisor in Swansea, Illinois, who left Merrill Lynch in 2013 to form Archford Capital with about 400 million in assets. Jim serves high net worth individuals, trusts, estates, pension and profit sharing plans, charitable organizations, and businesses, and he's doing incredibly well. There's Connecticut-based Phil Fiore, who left UBS in early 2017 with an $8 billion practice focused on high net worth, mostly doctors, and 401k plans for mid to large institutions. There's another Phil, Phil Schaefer, which is one of the most interesting stories of the year. In the middle of 2017, Phil left Greystone Consulting, or Morgan Stanley's Institutional Consulting Unit, to form Haylight Partners in Ohio. It's a $3 billion firm that services foundations, endowments, and family office clients, and Phil has consistently been a Barron's 100 advisor. Beyond that, it seems that every day we watch a billion-dollar or more team go some version of independent. Most of them service high net worth or ultra high net worth clients or have very specific, sophisticated client needs. All of them, almost without exception, have crushed it since breaking away from the wirehouse world and launching their own firms. And every one of them will tell you that the only regret is that they didn't do it sooner. So how do you make sure that you will do no harm? which actually is the number one rule when thinking about making this move to independent, to do no harm to your clients in a move. What you have to do is to make sure that you can replicate 100% of what you offer them now and hopefully even better your service model and ultimate deliverables. What does it take to do that? You must clearly define what it takes to run your business, the products, solutions, technologies, support staff, human capital, etc. You need to be sure that you really clearly understand your clients' needs, what you're doing well for them, and what they would like you to be doing if you were in a different situation. You need to certainly conduct thorough due diligence on your options. You absolutely need to run a book mapping exercise, one where a would-be firm or a would-be custodian or broker-dealer looks at your book, vets every account without names certainly, but one by one to make sure that everything in each client's account can be replicated and or bettered. You need to understand how you would access what you need as an independent. So it's worth noting that in most instances, almost without exception, an advisor who goes independent can replicate everything that he's currently doing for his clients now, but how he accesses what he needs as an independent is different. Where does it come from? He leverages the platform of the independent broker-dealer. He leverages the platform of a custodian. He leverages, in many cases, a service provider whose value proposition it is to offer you access to a consortium of banks, insurance companies, trust companies, investment banking, any kind of solution 
to essentially allow the independent advisor to shop the street, to create competition for price and service in just about any category. And then the advisor needs to understand who runs the day-to-day operations of an independent business. The answer is it's completely up to the advisor. Some will choose to outsource to a full-time or part-time consultant. Others will insource, choosing to recruit or hire the talent that they need. Others say, I like to manage operations to run the day-to-day, so either myself or one of my partners or someone on our support staff will take on additional responsibilities. And finally, because there's been a whole cottage industry born to support the breakaway advisor, there's a whole swath of really high-quality service providers that have been born to support new breakaway folks. So let's jump to the next myth, a common thing we hear a lot in response to, I'd love to go independent, but my clients are attached to a well-known brand name. The answer to this is maybe, and I wouldn't argue that. If you verily believe that the reason your clients are yours is only because of the name of the firm you work for, then you may be absolutely right that going independent won't work for you. But the one thing we've found consistently is that if an advisor is truly interested in going independent because he believes that he can service his clients better and more freely as an independent business owner, then when he really thinks about it, he almost always comes to the conclusion that the clients are loyal to the advisor. It really has nothing to do with the firm the advisor works for. And that as long as the advisor will do no harm, can replicate and even better the service offering, it's almost always met with, of course, I'll follow you. And so that's a myth or a construct that is really personal. An advisor needs to be truly self-aware and rigorously self-honest in order to determine who the clients are most loyal to. So the next question we get a lot is, how do you get from here to there? So I'm interested in going independent, but what does it take? And the common refrain is, I already have a full-time job. There's just way too much work involved in educating myself, in building out the requisite infrastructure, in starting up and operating a sophisticated independent business. So first of all, Absolutely, it's important to validate the fact that it is work, and it certainly takes a longer runway in terms of getting educated and building out an independent business. The easier or probably more familiar move is certainly to go from one traditional firm to another. But those who are uber entrepreneurial will rely upon the custodian or broker-dealer to act as quarterback to essentially connect them to the vendors and consultants to build out, launch, and support the business. That's essentially a do-it-yourself with support approach. The custodians and broker-dealers will give you a roadmap to pull together what you need, but they won't vet each solution for you. The second way to get from here to there is to hire a consultant whose task is to vet every aspect, to build the business, to pull it together. And then the consultant obviously goes away once the business is launched. 
The third and probably most popular solution today is the use of a service provider or platform firm, essentially hitting the easy button or turnkey approach. So Dynasty Financial Partners launched in December of 2010 and Hightower Advisors, who stopped recruiting into their partnership model to become another platform firm, are the leading examples in the category. And advisors who choose to associate with these firms essentially think of them as a completion strategy, an overlay, if you will, above and beyond the custodian to act as non-equity partners in building, launching, and supporting the business, but to build the customized vision of the advisor. Next, it's the opportunity to potentially tuck into or associate with an already established independent firm. We see this a lot for the advisor that has interest in going independent, but A, doesn't really care about building his or her own firm, doesn't need to have the name of the firm be theirs, and likes the idea of plugging into something that already exists, that's well capitalized, that has a solid infrastructure, and essentially knows where all the landmines are. The cons of this is that you are associating with someone else, you're helping to build someone else's vision, and it isn't necessarily all yours. Bottom line is that while it absolutely takes more time and effort and energy and patience to get educated about independence and then to build the right firm out the right way, your way, it's only worth it if you're big picture focused. The long-term rewards are certainly innumerable, but in the short term, it's a whole lot more work. So you have to really want it. Here are four questions you can ask yourself to determine if it's for you. One, how long is my runway? Meaning, if I only plan to work another three or four years, do I have enough time to devote to being a business owner to make up for the chips I'm leaving on the table by eschewing a transition package offered by a traditional firm? Two, am I willing to forgo those outsized recruiting packages that are available to me now. Three, most important, how entrepreneurial am I? Again, rigorous self-honesty and awareness are required in answering that question. Four, somewhat related, am I jazzed by the notion of building something myself? Do I see it more as annoying work or am I excited about finding the appropriate real estate and building out the customized business and service model I envision? Am I the kind of person that likes to plan a trip without a travel agent, to sell my house or find an apartment without a realtor, or to work out on my own without a trainer? So I think we've discovered a few things today, at least I hope you have. Certainly we've addressed some of the most common myths about going independent and we've looked at the realities surrounding them. What we often find is that advisors latch on to these false truths as a way of either stalling a decision or because they don't want to say yes to the notion of independent. They're much better suited to be an employee. We don't think anything is wrong with that even a little. We actually think it's incredibly important to be self-aware and honest and know thyself. 
if you're not independent minded, don't have entrepreneurial DNA, then don't go down that road. Getting educated, though, by far, is one of the best ways to dispel the myths and avoid inertia. That feeling of being stuck with no way out that traps many in indecision. So what can you do to get educated? Certainly listening to this podcast and the entire series on independence is a good way to get yourself started. Certainly you can always feel free to visit our website, click on the podcast link, or go to many of our links, including case studies, our blogs, and tools and resources. And of course, I'm always happy to answer any questions you may have. So as we close today, I hope you'll join us for our next episode, episode seven, about how to monetize as an independent. What do the economics look like? So if someone does give up the large transition check that a traditional firm is offering, how do the economics work? What does it look like? How much time does it take to break even, etc.? Until then, as always, I encourage you again to visit our website, diamond-consultants.com, and to click on tools and resources for some valuable content. If you're not already a recipient of our weekly email, Perspectives for Advisors, click on the blog link to browse recent articles. You can always feel free to email me or call me directly if you have any specific questions. I can be reached by phone at 908-879-1002 or by email mdiamond at diamond-consultants.com. Please know that all requests are always handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. I thank you again for joining me. This is Mindy Diamond on Independence.